0: what's going on man welcome back to the basement i'm ron and every monday i go over my top 10 takeaways and lessons learned from the football that we just watched yesterday it's low-key one of my favorite videos to make in season just a lot of you know sifting through what just happened looking reacting it's fun it's kind of open-ended i can talk about whatever 10 things i want to talk about so we have a lot to get into without further ado i not gonna waste any more time if you enjoy the video make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like let's go now look i put a little poll on the community tab i deleted it after a little while asking should i go over the jets i don't want to be annoying i don't want to be a homer i don't want to be somebody you skip because i talk about the jets too much but i have to bask in the glory i have to we're three and two i got the jersey over there I almost slept in it. I didn't want to take it off. The Jets get a huge win. I believe they win 27-10 to 10 on the road in Lambeau. Crazy stuff. Now, we're going to talk about the fantasy football side of things. My first takeaway is the Jets get a win, the good and the bad. Now, the good, we'll, we'll go over the good first, is Brees Hall might be a demigod. He's probably at this point, depending on who you ask, but he might be the RB1 in Dynasty, probably a top five to 10 running back rest of season in seasonal. He has surpassed my wildest dreams. He has been the focal point of an offense that has now won three straight as underdogs here. This is his second straight 100 yard or more yard from scrimmage game. His second straight 20 plus PPR point game. He has 5.1 yards per carry on the season. He's second in yards per out run among all running backs. He's RB-8 in points per game, and he continues to take work from Carter, where a lot of guys were in my comments and my Twitter mentions tell me, hey, they just said Michael Carter's the RB1, and this was like the first week of August. Oh, Michael Carter's the RB1. Why would you draft Brees Hall? He's on the Jets, the same old Jets. The Jets suck. Well, how about now? How about now? The Jets are decent. Brees Hall's amazing. He's earning the workload, because that's the bet. The bet is with these rookies, yes, we have prospect models. Yes, we know they're going to be in this range of how good. But at the end of the day, these are all black boxes you're taking swings on in like rounds four and five, and that's the perfect upside swing because a guy like Brees talking can come into the league and be you know a top 10 running back, or he could suck, but we don't know that. And when we want to lean into upside in a range filled with guys like Ezekiel Elliott, I think that is the play. Now, I will also say in terms of the running game, love LaFleur's play calling from a real-life perspective. Zach didn't have to dial it up at all. He didn't really have to throw the ball. They were playing against a team that couldn't stop the run. So I loved what LaFleur was doing. He was making them stop the run. They couldn't. We just kept running it down their throats. I love the play design as well, where he does have a lot of those 49ers concepts. So you'll see sometimes like Zach Wilson will come out and like, you'll see like pistol, you'll see motion. I, I love the package they come out in when they have Michael Carter and Brees Hall on the field at the same time. That was the Brees Hall, like 34 yard touchdown run where I believe Wilson was under center. He was either under center or in pistol, but he gets it. He, like, rotates all the way around, fakes a pitch to Michael Carter one way, hands it off to Brees Hall on the other side of the formation. And it was actually supposed to be a reverse pass where, like, Brees Hall was supposed to go into the flat and then throw it back to Wilson or Carter or somebody. Instead, I think the defensive end came upfield, so sort of cut off, you know, the outside form, him. And he just, you know, cut upfield, ran it in for a score. It's just it's just amazing. It's beautiful. We're having guys pull. Dwayne Brown, our, like, 38-year-old right tackle, is getting out in the flat and, like, being a lead blocker downfield. It's amazing. What a win. Seven and a half point underdogs in Lambeau. We win. Draft class looks amazing, right? The same old Jets thing. And this goes for like Dynasty and just having a better team in the future. We have the favorite for offensive rookie of the year in Brees. Favorite for defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner. We have Garrett Wilson, who hasn't flashed. We'll talk about him in a second. That's more so because of Zach Wilson. We are building things. This feels like the best draft class we've had in a long long time you had sauce Gardner who let up six targets for one catch eight yards a 39.6 rating allowed to aaron Rodgers, really really fun now that means we have to talk about the bad and the bad is tough man we have a i'm not gonna say antonio brown not even say obj i don't think that this was actually that problematic it got a lot of buzz on twitter here's the bad elijah moore zero targets and he's disgruntled <laughs> like it almost feels like madden like when you're trying to keep everybody happy or like franchise type games when like you have the team morale elijah moore's morale right now is low um he tweeted this out so rich Kamini, he's a jets beat reporter who i kind of hate uh he said of all the eye-popping stats and factoids which today this one is hard to understand elijah moore zero targets hashtag jets he said if i say what i really want to say i'll be the selfish guy we winning grateful huge blessing all i ever wanted bittersweet for him But I'll be solid, so I'll just stay quiet. Just know I don't understand either. He only had a 66.7% route participation, which has really come down since being like the 80-90% plus territory beginning of the year. That's not good. I kind of understand the frustration here, right? He was amazing last year. He should be getting involved more. He hasn't been getting involved as much as he should be, but we're winning games. So it's a little bit, It's like you said, bittersweet. And it's tough to really put anything on the floor, the coaching staff, because again, they're winning games, they're running the ball, they're doing things a different way than Elijah Moore would like, but it's ending up in wins. Also, this was a team that was really soft against the run. Their ninth best, or the Packers defense is the ninth best pass DVOA defense. After this weekend, they are the 32nd DVOA run defense. So it's just kind of how the game plan worked out. Corey Davis is a big physical wide receiver. He's our best run blocker. So it just was kind of a game script that schemed Elijah Moore out but it does suck. Now, it's going to be tough to say moving forward that this pass game produces a ton. They have really thinned things out. You're getting C.J. Uzoma targets. You're getting Barrios targets. You're getting uh, C.J. Uzoma. You're getting Tyler Conklin targets. You're getting Michael Carter targets. Things get spread really, really thin. It's going to be tough if Zach Wilson doesn't get better. Uh, He had, right, that's the other bad here, is he had his worst game as a pro since last year he had a 38 pff passing grade it was like the worst of the week it was the first time he was under 200 passing yards this season first time he was under 7 yards per attempt first time or not first time 55% completion percentage wasn't good pff grade was just absolutely tanked really really not good uh i do think long term These pass catchers are super talented. I'm not giving up on Zach Wilson after three games back, but this one is really, really tough to swallow in terms of the ceiling of this team and kind of what Zach Wilson can be for this team moving forward as the franchise quarterback. It's tough. I will say on the bright side, Garrett Wilson, I'm not panicking at all. He had a 31% target per out run. He led the entire team in targets. When you have 110 passing yards on the day, no one's really going to eat up for fantasy. Now, our next takeaway is going to be Kenneth Walker here. Kenneth Walker is a madman he's a madman um I'm very very excited to see how Kenneth Walker kind of pans out he has this crazy like running style I think Josh Norris over at Underdog was saying something on the lines of like or him and Hayden were both saying like he's almost like Shady McCoy in a way that he just moves very different in terms of like forcing missed tackles big plays just like him in open space he just has like like, the only way I could really explain is he has different animations, right? If we're playing, like, 2K or Madden, he just has weird animations in his bag, and it's really, really fun to watch. He is now in a full-time role. He's the RB7 on the week. He was 21 rushes for 97 yards. He had three targets, two catches, 13 yards through the air, 13 targets, 10% target share for a team that doesn't pass to the running backs, and for a guy in Kenneth Walker who caught, like, four passes in college... That's exciting. 69% snap share. He had 24 of 26 running back opportunities. He also had 12 missed tackles forced this week. The next highest week or the next highest missed tackles forced this week was Khalil Herbert at five. So he just makes people miss. He's probably a fringe RB1 rest of season. I'll also say in Dynasty. Also, let me know how you guys feel about me having Dynasty takes in these takeaways videos or lessons learned videos. If most of the guys who watch this only play in seasonal, only care about seasonal, please let me know um because I don't want to talk about stuff that you guys don't care about but this was fun this was a spat between me and uh Kev and Kev, Kev is great man Kev gets you know heat on Twitter but he's funny he you know kind of pokes fun at people all the time he's aggressive with his takes he's also as much as he gets dunked on on Twitter he has had his, his good calls before with Rashad Penny who looked good before the injury um he actually me and him used to go back and forth on IUK versus Debo last year he completely creamed me on that one this one was funny. October 7th, I did my Dynasty Rankings update very recently, right? It was before Rashad Penny got hurt. I was just looking at the landscape of the position, and I saw Kenneth Walker. He's a strong prospect. He's 21 years old. The rest of the landscape is either old and producing. They're going to fall off a value cliff in the offseason, right? You're not going to get it. I'd be shocked if you could get a 23 first for Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Kamara, Derek Henry after the season's over and they're not scoring points for you anymore, so, my thought with having Kenneth Walker at all the way RB6, that was really high at the time. His ADP around then was like RB17 to RB22 range. It was before Rashad Penny got hurt, it was before he really did much. But just on the idea that he's young, all he has to do is show some flashes. We've seen ETN, he was like the RB8 in the offseason without even touching the ball in his rookie year we saw with Dobbins he had like a late season stretch with the Ravens his rookie year that was enough to propel him even with Cam Akers he had like what a couple games of 20 carries his rookie year and then that vaulted him in the offseason now all of those running backs haven't really panned out but I'm just talking about in terms of value gains uh from rookie running back season to that offseason when we look at how dry the running back landscape is he's like the youngest running back in dynasty or like at least like in the top 30 he has the tools I think that he is someone that is going to be I don't want to say Chubb but he's a special runner he's a special pure rusher which people will always gravitate towards if he is like in terms of real life perspective right so like rushing prowess I guess you would call it like Jonathan Taylor Nick Chubb if Kenneth Walker gets into that conversation on top of having second round draft capital being a guy that everybody wants to succeed it wouldn't take a ton from the be like a top six running back in dynasty in the offseason but now I ran pretty pure after tweeting that out and making that a dynasty ranking. Penny gets hurt. Walker comes in at the, as the full bell cow. Looks amazing. Keep trade cut right now. He's like RB six, RB seven. So I did dunk on Kev here after he's a big penny guy. Uh, so when he saw this take, he was not happy about it. He hit me with the what, how picture after I tweeted that. Um, so that was fun to kind of pull a receipt on him this morning, but again, no bad, bad blood at all towards Kev. He is, he's a good guy. Um, third takeaway. this Rams offense it's not bad or anything but it's just I don't know man it's like it just feels like the Rams offense just feels like you're walking around in like a clown mirror maze whatever they call that you know what I mean it's just so confusing every week now this is what we're looking at for this backfield we're looking at three-headed backfield Darrell Henderson Malcolm Brown revived Malcolm Brown here and Ronnie Rivers, and they still cannot run the ball. I don't know how much of it is these running backs just being garbage and how much it is this offensive line being pretty bad. Henderson had 3.6 yards per carry. Malcolm Brown had 2.1. Rivers had zero yards per carry. All ugly. Henderson did. He was the lead guy. 71% snap share. 15 of, what, 25 touches. You want more than that, though. You want him to be, like, in the 80% plus range across the board. He's not, like, dominating carries or anything. He didn't look amazing. We hope that that Henderson role can grow. I will say I wouldn't be shocked if McVay like trades for a running back at this point. I think as well, like Akers, I I think Akers might've played his last down for the Rams. He might've played his last down altogether. Don't look, I'm not, I'm not trying to get crucified here. Um, It does just seem like he lost a step. And if him and the Rams are having problems and he's not going to play for the Rams, I don't know who would go trade for him. I will say he's young, right? He's like only 22. So he has youth on his side. Um, but it is really sad you know coming off the Achilles doesn't look as like spry and as explosive as he once was it's tough the Rams running back situation is really bad though like the the running backs for the Rams are like a they need a good running game to win games if that makes sense like they they aren't a team that just passes the ball a ton especially with Stafford hasn't looked that great this season I think he had like one touchdown and an interception again like 250 yards not amazing I will also say we'll touch on Allen Robinson here who looked good um he had five catches, 63 yards, a touchdown. He had a startable week when nobody probably started him. 20% plus target per out run over two yards per out run. Pretty impressing. Uh or impressive. JC Horn was hurt. Uh the Panthers like number one-ish corner. Still promising. I lean on the side of selling long term. If I can sell, you know, just this little flash in the pan. Stafford doesn't look great. You have the rumors of possibly OBJ coming in there. Higby also had a quiet game, he had, like 60% route participation, like two targets. I think that comes up. So we'll see. It's it's a step in the right direction for Allen Robinson at the very least. Then I have my fourth takeaway, which is to put it lightly, is Tom Brady asked? question mark. He loses as 8 point favorites to a bad Steelers team and it was pretty funny. There was like a clip of him like screaming on the sideline at these uh, offensive linemen and the offensive line wasn't really that bad today. As much as like they've had injuries and they haven't been great all season. He was only pressured on like 21.4% of his dropbacks, which was fifth best among quarterbacks with 10 or more dropbacks this week. He wasn't under pressure all that much. He just hasn't been efficient, and he hasn't really been pushing the ball downfield. He's 24th in dot right now, and he's 25th in yards per attempt with 6.7. It's not great. It's not good. This is also a really good tweet that uh, Bean Counter pulled out. Uh, I want to say it was yesterday, and I, I actually wasn't even aware of these splits at all, but Tom Brady with and without Rob Gronkowski is pretty funny. Um, 140 games with him 23.5 ppr points versus 18.7 without him Uh, 0.54 ints or nine touchdown pace with gronk 12 without 38 touchdown pace with gronk 30 without 7.9 yards per attempt 7.14 yards per attempt without what like almost a 5,000 yard pace with him, like a 4,000 yard pace without him 18.7 points is still usable as your qb1 but that's gonna be like a back-end qb1 number i do think brady bounces back in some way he is still tom brady it's really just like he has so much in real life shit going on man i think he went to like a wedding on friday he just got divorced like he's uh, he didn't practice like i don't know man i don't know i think you just gotta cross your fingers that he like brady could retire at any point right now like if if it gets to a spot and i don't think it will if the bucks like let's say let's say the bucks are no longer in the playoff hunt and it's a lost year like he might just say all right that's it fellas Uh, but i will say i think he bounces back somewhat i think he needs some, some more efficiency from his wide receivers godwin saw 12 targets only turned it into six catches for 93 yards i think in a you know normal day that could have been like 10 for 135 in a touchdown or like 10 for 150 in a touchdown so we'll see he has his weapons better days should be ahead maybe gronk comes back and helps him out we'll see uh but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't fully fully panic on this passing defense just yet or passing offense just yet now Also, let me know where you guys want me to put these uh, rookie wide receiver report. For this one, we're going to go halfway. We'll do this as our our fifth takeaway here. I think halfway mark is good for the rookie wide receiver report. This is all rookie wide receivers outside of Dennis Houston. I'm not putting Dennis Houston on here. uh, With minimum five targets sorted by their week six route percentage. Now, I think actually just to make this less confusing, I'm going to put it here so you guys can't see the guys who are out or injured. And I will say... No rookie wide receiver really stood out today. No one had over 50 receiving yards, but we'll still go through everything. Drake London still top dog. Arthur Smith just isn't really creating a good environment for him. He had a 30% target per out run. He had a two point or on the season he has a 2.23 yards per out run. Still an 85 plus PFF grade. He's elite. Still a top five wide receiver in dynasty for me. If anybody's budging on that, and you can get him for like wide receiver 12 type prices, I'm buying that all day long. We'll also talk about Romeo Dobbs who's still a starter, right? He's seeing 90, 95% of the routes, 87% of the routes, 95% of the routes. He's a starter, but the efficiency has been pretty bad. He has a low ADOT, and Aaron Rodgers hasn't been that great this year. 1.23 yards per out run is not good, and a 58.7 PFF grade is like worse than guys like Tyquan Thornton, Alec Pierce. It's only better on this list than David Bell. So it's still early still working with a really small sample size I'm not giving up on him per se I think he's gonna be fine in seasonal right he's Rogers like number two wide receiver he should be good he's getting all the routes but in terms of like long-term asset and dynasty the ceiling is definitely starting to lower like day three guy the yards per out run isn't great the PFF grade isn't great still a ton of time for him to improve but stock down in dynasty but still fine in seasonal then we have Alec Pierce his route percentage sadly stalled out. We were pretty excited about him last week. Went from 41% of the routes to 75% and then down to 70%. I wouldn't say that that's really a downgrade. It's really just more no improvement. His route percentage took a hit. His target per out run took a hit. He's now below 20% target per run for the first time this year. He's below a two yards per run for the first time this year. His PFF grade took a hit down to 635 tough tough i think for seasonal pierce is still an interesting dart throw i think for dynasty just you know slow your roll ever so slightly he's still right he's still not a face planner which means like all these guys are still a ton of time left uh we'll also talk about taekwon thornton and Wandale robinson new additions to the rookie wide receiver report both of them now have five or more targets on the year here and when we talk about wandell robinson fellas we're going to talk about him in the waiver wire video on tuesday as well but get extremely extremely excited about wandell robinson this is a small sample but we're talking about a guy with second-round draft capital who's the only rookie wide receiver not named Drake London, with a 30% or better target route run, a two-yard or better yards route run, and a 75 or better PFF grade. He only ran 34% of the routes. But this role is going to expand. There's no way that he saw him. There's no way that Dable saw Wondell this week and was like, all right, we're not going to use him. He scored a touchdown. They won against the Ravens and their top wide receivers are like David Sills, Marcus Johnson. So Wondell Robinson's going to work himself in. It really just comes down to, I imagine he has a slot role on lock. It really just comes down to if he can be trusted on the outside in two wide receiver sets. Regardless, this Giants team looks amazing. We want pieces of this offense. Wondell Robinson has all the upside in the world. Now we also have Taquan Thorne. I'm not as excited about also a second round rookie, but I will say he's better. He has been better than our expectations at the very least from a dynasty standpoint, or just from a, you know, rookie scouting standpoint, four catches, 37 yards and a touchdown this week. He has a 20% target per out run efficiency is not great. 1.1 yards per out run only a 63.9 PFF grade. But I mean, for a guy that no one had any expectations for, he looks good. He's not face planning. He's like playing all right. He's doing his thing. And I will say a guy who I will say is definitely face planning if he does not turn something around, which I, I wouldn't really bet on him turning something around here David Bell. Now, his route percentage is ticking up, right? 29%, 44%, 67%. So that's interesting. Uh, but my God, man. 8.1% target, like, like, red across the board, 8.1% target route run, 0.67 yards per run, 51.7 PFF grade. No bueno. No bueno for David Bell. My God, man. And I was a David Bell guy coming out. I was hoping that he's going to be all right, but it's not looking good at all. Now, Garrett Wilson's route percentage is coming down here. Is that again? I do think that part of the game plan was running the ball. Corey Davis got involved more, but I also think Zach Wilson just trusts Corey Davis a lot. Regardless though, since Zach Wilson took over, he's had a 24 or since Zach Wilson took over, he has led the team in targets, Garrett Wilson. He has a 24.6% target per run on the entire year. I'm still very bullish, right? He's still getting, he's still commanding targets. The efficiency isn't there, but I would really put the efficiency more so on Joe Flacco and Wilson than I would put the efficiency on Garrett Wilson. He still has like a 75 plus PFF grade. He has a nice target per run. He's still somebody I'm bullish on long-term for seasonal. Again, that Jets passing game might be rough for fantasy, but they might have to pass more As you know, maybe they sort of regress a little bit. Maybe they get some tougher opponents. I think that they're playing the Broncos next week, so that could be uh, maybe not shootout, but a game where they pass the ball more. Let's talk about Sky Moore, who hasn't improved his route percentage, which sucks, right? Where he's 26%, 29%, 27%. He keeps playing right around the same amount, but his efficiency is great. He has a 20% plus uh, target route run. He has a two plus yards per out run. He's a 73.9 PFF grade. He looks good. He's not a face planner yet. He just needs to get more routes ASAP we we'll also talk about Shaker, who sadly had a great week last week, but then he gets relegated back behind Isaiah McKenzie, where he goes from a 71.8% wrap participation to a 20%. Still at a 70-plus PFF grade. Or yeah, still, still at a 70-plus PFF grade. Still looks good in terms of his efficiency, but he's probably not going to get that full-on role for a while in terms of long-term. But he does feel like a, a Gabe Davis, where I don't think Gabe Davis was... I think that Gabe Davis was a round three guy. He could have been around four. Um, but day three guy that's kind of getting, you know, brought up by the Bills, looks good in flashes. You know, year three, year four, Kalusha Kerr could be somebody we're starting every week in our fantasy lineups. Six takeaway here. I did this. I, I wrote this down as the Kyle Pitts temperature check slash Falcons pass environment is brutal. <sighs> It's just, I I get it. I get it. I know there's going to be people in my comments saying, you can't keep on ripping Arthur Smith. He's winning these games. He's covering the spread. Look, I'm frustrated. They ran the ball 39 times with Tyler Rousier, Caleb Huntley, and Marcus Mariota. They only had 17 dropbacks. Now, on the bright side, London had a 100% raw participation. Pitts had like an 82% raw participation. They both had north of a 20% target share. There just wasn't enough volume to support them and they won't have enough volume to be supported with arthur smith calling games it's just so tough jacob sanderson had a good tweet on it earlier to all of you guys are like oh well arthur smith is winning games yes they're winning games with marcus Mariota at quarterback their ceiling is like seventh seed get bumped out in the first round of the playoffs i don't really understand when you have a team like this that's going to have calvin ridley next year so like you're looking at calvin ridley pitts london and then the only thing you're really looking at on offense is who the hell is going to be our quarterback? It's not going to be Mariota, probably won't be Ritter, and we won't know if it's going to be Ritter if they keep winning games and they can't see Ritter play, right? And then if that happens, and they're like the 15th, 16th, 17th overall pick next year, like the 20th overall pick, they then can't use a draft pick to go out there and get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So they're just winning games for the sake of being mediocre, not getting the quarterback of the future, just winning games to win games. And I'm not saying that you need to tank in the NFL, like deliberately tank, but him grinding out victories like this, I, I don't get why it's being like celebrated and applauded. He's not like the, the long-term outlook of the franchise is getting hurt by winning these games. Though, they have the Bengals and they have the Chargers in two of their next three. Those are two teams that might lure them into passing the ball more, which could pump our pits and London stocks. Long-term in Dynasty, I think they're both, you know, I think pits is the tight end one in Dynasty. I think that Drake London is like the wide receiver four in Dynasty. So long-term, still very much bullish, but in terms of seasonal... They both are taking a hit if Arthur Smith keeps doing this. Next, we have Ramondre Smith dominates. And there's no other role for those other running backs where a big concern for me coming into this game was, you know, Pierce Strong gets elevated. Maybe J.J. Taylor gets uh, elevated. I will also say, dude, Kevin Harris, a guy we liked in Dynasty offseason. I actually, I think I dropped him in one spot, but I have him in a lot of leagues. He goes to the practice squad after he's drafted. He gets called up for the first time. And he has 17% of the snaps, which is pretty good. Three three touches as well. Uh, it, it's not a lot, of course, but for Dynasty, that's good, right? He's, on, he's making the team, or not making the team, but, you know, he's getting activated. He's getting touches. It's interesting. Now, when we talk about Ramondre Stevenson, the guy is a menace. He was a clear lead. He didn't open the door really for anyone else. He had 24 of 27 touches. He had 19 carries, 76 yards, two touchdowns, five targets, four catches, 15 yards. 25 points. He's the RB7 since week three. Really, really exciting stuff for Ramondre. Just keep an eye out for Ty Montgomery coming back next week, or if not next week, then whenever he comes back, that will be the true, true litmus test of is Ramondre Stevenson permanently the lead guy at least until Damian Harris is back in the lineup. Now, I'll also says Bailey Zappi looks kind of good, man. Uh, I, I really don't know how to feel about him in dynasty at this point. I think that he's a day three guy, but. Among 30 qualified quarterbacks in Week Six, he was sixth in passing grade. He was fifth in yards per attempt. That's pretty dang solid. 300 plus passing yards in a game versus the Browns. No, was yeah, was the Browns this week. Downside though, he was 18th in a dot at 6.3. He had zero big time throws. So it seems like his even he's even kind of game manager ish like Mac Jones, but that could just be the scheme. Uh, our eighth takeaway: ETN versus J Rob. ETN looks good, man etn looks good uh etn again for like the third straight week yeah etn for the third straight week is out snapping james robinson he's averaging 10.1 ppr points per game over that span james robinson is averaging 5.1 etn is fifth in the nfl in rushing yards over expected per attempt he's sixth in yards per carry he's fifth in pff rush grade james robinson in those same metrics 29th in rushing yard over expectation per attempt 25th in yards per carry 30th in rush grade etn at this point has been more efficient he's shown more flashes he looks he's looked better and the jaguars are no longer the team that they were in the first three weeks where they're blowing teams out for no reason and because they're not having those leading game scripts etn is getting more volume he's getting more snaps as this passing down back and if he's going to be this efficient where i want to say he had like i want to say he had over like 50 yards from scrimmage in just like the first drive or two he looked amazing he pops off like these huge splash plays all the time he's making plays he looks good He has the upside here where if James Robinson kind of, you know, craps out a little bit here, the efficiency hasn't been great for him. Uh, We've seen Akers now looks terrible. James Robinson looked decent in the first like two, three weeks, but hasn't really looked good since then. There's upside here for ETN to carve out a role, which would be very interesting. I think James Robinson now is a tough start uh, in games where like the Jaguars aren't favored, which are probably like 90% of their games. Then our ninth takeaway is the Ravens backfield which is not good. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had... or Not that the Ravens' backfield isn't good, but it's not good for J.K. Dobbins. He had 1.5 points. Kenyon Drake ended up with 10 attempts, 119 rushing yards, and a touchdown for 19.7 points. It's rough. J.K. Dobbins had 27% of the snaps, 40% of the carries, only 7 carries, 39% of the touches, a route on 17% of dropbacks. You probably can't start Dobbins at this current juncture until things get better. Now, our last takeaway here, takeaway number 10. And it's pretty sad because it's one of the, the best calls we've had this season that the Eagles offense was going to be good. Jalen Hurts was going to be good. Brown would be good. Devonta Smith would be good. Goddard would be good. And they all have been good. Then that kind of sucks. And it's a little bit of it's not the end of the world, but it definitely rains on our parade a little bit. The Eagles might just be too good for fantasy. They're now 6-0. and They're dominating teams. And they go from a team that was like 7th highest in pass over expectation in the first week they had 42 dropbacks. Since then, only three of their six games have had over 40 dropbacks. Their other three have been 30 dropbacks, 30, 38. They're 24th in pass attempts. We thought they would be super pass-heavy, and I think that they would like to be super pass-heavy, but they're winning so many games, right? They're 6-0. Their defense is so good. Their team is so good that the game scripts are against us in terms of trying to get shootouts and high-scoring games. So it's not a huge damper, right? Brown still had 17. Devonta Smith still had 15. But the ceiling for those like massive, massive spike weeks is a little bit lower, unless they get weird scripts, you know, just like football happens. But their next, I don't know, like eight games is bye week, Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, I can't imagine that they're not favored in all of those. So it's gonna be tough to see the Eagles being a spot where they need to have a shootout with anybody. This is also their neutral pass rate, where they are what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, their eighth lowest in neutral pass rate the last four weeks. Not good for our Eagles passing game shares. Again, they're still producing. They're still going to be efficient. There's gonna be a lot of efficiency in this offense, but the volume doesn't seem like it's going to hit. And it's not because they want to run the ball, like a lot of people were saying, but it's because their defense is so good. They're not in game script where so they have to pass the ball and air it out. Uh, hopefully we get some like lucky games where that changes, but We'll see. That's it for today. Another top ten takeaways video in the bag as always. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for watching till the end. If you enjoyed, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the jokes. I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Ah. Foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.